head right now. Alright. BK here. Old news roundup. And right off the bat. Thank you, Soundgarden. Oh, Soundgarden. Right off the bat, you're going to notice that we've uh, regressed a little bit on audio quality. And I want to address that right off the bat because Amazon fucked me. Okay, um, Amazon, you suck. I ordered a second microphone from you. And when it got here, I opened the box. I was really excited because I wanted to have my friend on. I opened the box and it's a fucking lapel microphone of no use to me at all and is not going to work whatsoever. So uh, thanks a lot, Amazon. But um, I do want to uh, say that I do have my good friend on here, John. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. Doing we're great. we're here we're here behind deep behind enemy lines in the bush. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I wanted to get John on and uh, thought you had a you know John and I have talked a lot and you have a very interesting uh, you know life story and background and I know I know people like to hear about that so. I guess as a way of starting, do you want to just tell me a little about yourself, where you're born, where you're from, and and uh, and you, you're a Marine, and how you got in the Marines? Why don't you start there, and I'll just ask questions as needed. I was born in the Dominican Republic. Okay. Came to America when I was seven. It was actually a funny story how we came to America. Back yeah. then, it was easy to come to America. Right. Unlike, I know we have the immigration problem now, but it was totally different back then. Right. My mother came first. She found somebody with a similar name like mine. Brought that birth certificate back to the American public, and I came back. I had to memorize everything on that birth certificate, social, his name, where he was born. His actual age was different than mine, so I had to memorize his age. No shit. That's how I came to America. So it was legal, but not really. Oh, totally. Illegal. <laughs> but we came on a plane. wasn't a boat. Right, right. <laughs> So that's how I came to America. So did you ever have to reconcile that later on when you had to get like legal documents or did you just ride that? Yes. Uh, once she became a citizen, we all automatically became citizens. Mm. So we never, I never had to swear in anything like that. Right. And you grew up in uh, New York City. In the Bronx. Yes. Okay. Let's, uh, I should also point out, and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is, as John well knows and as the audience knows, that um, you know, I'm really interested in like racial matters and um, I am a large, uh, jacked white man, and John is a very large, terrifying-looking black man who is covered with tattoos and dreadlocks and basically would scare the shit out of your average suburban white. Like, if I looked like you, that's all I would do. I would just scare the shit out of white people all day long. Well, as soon as they see me, they are automatically scared. <laughs> yeah, I was just in New Orleans, and we walked past this uh, white lady's door, and first thing she did was lock the door. My girlfriend actually laughed. <laughs> that's fucking hilarious alright so you grew up in New York City what part of New York City sorry I'm having a little tasty beverage no nah, no worries bro uh, <clears throat> I grew up in the Bronx right on Gun Hill and Decatur for most of my life before I joined the Marine Corps and you grew up in like uh, what was the neighborhood like back oh. then was it kind of diverse was it mostly black immigrants black and Hispanic yeah we didn't have too many white people in my neighborhood I had one white friend right growing up right but we actually didn't notice race in such a congested city. Right. Right? Because everybody's everybody. So many people living on top of each other. That's a tr like, like a true melting pot. Right, right. So, we so really never notice. any racial tension as a kid? Never. Or not once. No kidding. Growing up. No racial tension. And, uh, and your, you know, your mom had an interesting side job. Whew, she, had a, she had a couple of interesting side jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think statute of limitations is up. So I think it is too. Yeah, it, yeah. 
if you're not if you're comfortable talking oh, about it, it doesn't matter to I'm me. Totally fine. Okay, so tell me because you've told me before about your mom. So go ahead and talk about that my, a little bit. My mother's a two-time felon, right? Like, so she had to feed us somehow. So she did whatever she can. Drugs, boosting. Boosting is still in close for you urban white Americans. Mm-hmm. Right. So she had to boost in drugs, whatever she had to do to feed her four children. Right. And we also had a couple cousins living in a two-bedroom apartment. Jesus. So, the high, like a high-rise sort yes. of thing? Or? Okay. So she was like selling. So would she, would she was like selling it out of the house, you said? Or she'd have she, a guy she, come and... Yeah, she'd show us everything. She, she, my mother never hide anything from me, being the oldest son. Right. She always showed, but she always told us, this is not what I want you to do. This is what I do. You were pretty close to your mom, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We grew up. We, every, any dirt she's ever done, she knows. Right. And she was religious. Now. Now, now she's, she's religious. religious. Uh, yes. She found <laughs> black Jesus. She found black Jesus. <laughs> hey, wait, wait. Who is the... Uh, who is the country? She was really into that country singer? Uh, Kenny Rogers. She loved freaking Kenny yeah, Rogers. Yeah, that's, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I told you the story about the Kenny Rogers. For listeners who don't know, we're in Cracker Barrel of all places. We're enjoying a good meal, and Kenny Rogers pops on the radio. So I'm bellowing out Kenny Rogers, Charlene in the song, <laughs> and the place goes silent. All the little old people watching me. There's one, they're wondering, how do I know? Somebody looks like me. Right. Right. Six foot two. And change. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and change. Yeah. And uh, covering tattoos, dreads, like we said before. Yeah. And how do I know Kenny Rogers? My mother was a big Kenny Rogers fan growing up. That's hilarious. Yeah. So, all right, so so you're in high school doing that. I mean, what was when did you start thinking about the military? Did you did you think about it for a long time? Did it happen last minute? How the did that day happen? I walked up to the recruiting office when I thought about it. Being first, I, I can't call myself first generation, first generation American, right? Right. Because I wasn't born here. Right. But being the first one to ever join the military, nobody can give me any advice. Right. I walked up to where the four Army Air Force. Little strip mall or something. Right. Mm-hmm. And the Marine guy was the first one to come outside. And no I shit. Up in the Marine so did, did, and you had like, you didn't have any friends, like you didn't have any uncle, like teachers, no, any of that? Nothing. No. So why, what what put it in your head to even walk over there? Were you just like, eh, it's just... I turned 18 and my mother told me, grow men only for free. Meaning, either get a job while she's kicking me out. Right. So I was like, well, I don't know what to do. I wasn't going to college at the time. Right. So somebody said, hey, why don't you join the military? I said, whatever. Walked up there, and he happened to walk out. Any one of them who would have walked out first, that's where I would end up. So how did the uh, how did it go with the recruiter? So he started. So he walked out, and you're like, "Hey, what's what's the deal?" And he gave you the gave you the sales job, or yeah. or were you like, "I want it"? Yeah, I was like, uh, "I want to go," and he was like, "Okay, what do you want to do?" I was like, "I don't know." He was like, "Okay," he's like, "What do you like?" I was like, "I don't know." <laughs> was he a white guy? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was Staff Sergeant Green. I remember his name. I won't no forget shit. his name. Right. White guy named Green, huh? Yeah. Huh. And Go he, figure. He wouldn't tell. He wouldn't. Well, I didn't know what I wanted. Right. And I guess he saw an opportunity for a young kid to put him anywhere he wanted to put him because I didn't know anything about the military. Right. So he, when he asked me what I like, I told him I like the ribbons on his chest. He's like, perfect. <laughs> Infantry. No <laughs> shit. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, so. All right, so you signed up. Mm-hmm. You go off your East Coast, so you go to Paris Island. Yep. Okay. So what was what was that like? As a as a First guy, all, I told growing up the big city. I told my recruiter I couldn't swim. Right. And his response was like, "They will teach you." Right. We we know how to teach you to swim in the Marine Corps. Right. Right. Yeah. I got to I, <clears throat> I get to boot camp. 
they say all the dark marines on one side. And I don't understand what that's about. So I'm like, okay, whatever, go on that side. And my uh, nickname from the from my drone instructor was Recruit Jigaboo. No. I'll get in that story later. <laughs> <laughs> so I go, Recruit Jigaboo goes to that one side. And I'm wondering, why are we all black guys all on this one side? He's like, all right, all you guys have to go to remedial swim club. I didn't know that was a thing that black people couldn't swim. Right. But, but you had none never, of us could swim. You I've had never, never seen a pool. Right. And you life. had never, like, had you, you hadn't even gone to the ocean or anything, right? Nothing. I've never seen a pool. Let me just say, never seen the ocean. I remember I was seven, I grew up in uh, the Republic, but I didn't go in the ocean. I was a kid. Right. But since I joined, I went to New York. Right. I've never been in a pool my entire life. No shit. Yeah, so, that was my okay. first introduction to a pool. Okay, so, and what, so for remedial swim training, was that like a thing every day? What was that? Yes, for a week. You did it for a week so they can get you up to speed. At least to pass. How'd that go? Terrible. Really? I, tried, I think I was going to die. Did you? Did everybody suck or did you guys kind of take No, everyone it? there sucked. Really? All the, all the black guys sucked. We absolutely sucked. So what was the, so when you had to do the swim qual for boot camp, was that the, what, what was that? In uh, Marines? Because I'm not, It's, it's not even that bad. I think you have to tread water for a couple minutes, lap the pool, right. any stroke you want, uh, do that whole combat breathing thing. Right. Do drown proofing. And you're and you're like in now you're you're in boot camp with like a bunch of like you know white mm-hmm. rural yeah. this is kind of like a brand this must have been like freaking culture shock oh yeah for me it was I didn't I've never seen that many white people except on TV how did how did it go in like the barracks and stuff you guys I mean was it cool yeah I never had any problems no never worries any problems. except for except for Staff Sergeant Jigaboo yeah yeah well except for John Jigaboo right that that came about was <laughs> he asked me what's my MOS and I said infantry. And he was like, what? Aren't you supposed to be motor T? I didn't get the joke at the time. Right. But it's a running joke that all the black guys join motor T, mechanics, cooks, you know, any trade. There's a reason behind that as well. Right. So Look, any trade. I, I want to get into that later, too. So I, once I told him I was infantry, he was like, I don't need you jiggables in my infantry. And I didn't know what a jiggable was. <laughs> so I, I heard of the jig, the dance. Right. So I, I was confused. A guy from North Carolina leaned over and he was like, He's calling you a nigger. No, and I was shit. so shocked. That was my first introduction to racism, in a sense, because had anybody ever called you a nigger in New York City? Not once. No, no shit. Wow. So you got the double whammy yeah. right there. But I don't think he was even racist. I think it was just a mind game for him playing with me to see if I was, you know, fit to be in the infantry. I guess you would call it. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So you finish. You finish, uh, you finish basic training, and you go to like AIT, advanced infantry training, and all that shit, and that same th- smooth sailing all the way, right? Yes, yeah. <clears throat> they they were picking different MOSs, machine gunner, mortarman, rifleman, and they wanted machine gunners. And when they said machine gunner, I thought I was gonna be like the guy in Predator. Remember when he was mowing the forest out? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was like, yes, me. Let me do that. I want to mow a forest down or oh, a jungle down. Right. And never. Never, no, no, no never touched them. Never but, saw many guys. Well, you were probably one of the bigger guys, anyway. So yeah, they probably, they were probably like, "Yeah, you're going to carry the fucking saw or mm-hmm. whatever they had at the time." Yeah. Okay, so when you so when you finished all that, this was pre 9/11, right? Or, yes, I joined. Okay. I got into the Marine Corps on September 11th, yeah, 2000. No so shit. Exactly a year before the towers hit. And uh, and you did pretty well. I know you said that you were one of the youngest guys to. Mm-hmm. You, you passed all the tests. So right. you were like a young. And you became a, a, a weapons sergeant? Right, right. I became, uh, as a platoon sergeant? I, well, in the Marine Corps, it's so congested. When you pick up rank, you pick up position a lot faster than most of, like in the Army. 
Right. So an E3 can run a squad in the Marine Corps. Right. So by the time I was E4, I was already had a squad. By the time I was E5, then you become a platoon sergeant. So I picked that up pretty easily. And then you go off to, what was your, so what was your first combat deployment? Was it in Iraq? Yes, in oh. 03. How did that go? I actually was disappointed. Yeah. I was disappointed in Iraq and 03. Why? It's we pretty dead, right? Killing. Yeah, we didn't do any killing. I thought, I don't know what type of listeners you had, but I thought <laughs> you got to rape and pillage <laughs> and kill everything in war. That's what I thought. And right. I was, it was totally different. Shot my weapons a couple times. Now was it now was it just your platoon and your squad, or was it like kind of that way? Like nobody got you. Nobody did that. Even if you watch some of these documentaries, I forgot the one about the recon, that little four part series. Was it Band of Brothers? Or no? Um, was it the uh, Band of Brothers? No, no that's not. That's I can't remember. It was about that little recon unit. Oh yeah, and yeah. They yeah, say yeah. the same thing in there. They show that they Bird, Bird's old unit, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bird. Uh, uh, what's that guy from it? From my last company. Generation so, Kill. Right, That's Generation what I'm Kill. About. Okay, well, so they Generation all, Kill. If you guys haven't seen it, Generation Kill, it's on HBO, and it's about... Netflix. And, and, it's, and what is it? It's a recon? It's a recon. Because I never watched it. In 03 and the Invasion, and they were actually disappointed as well with uh, what they thought war was like, what we all thought war was like. Right. So. Okay, cool. So you got out of that, and then... Now, when did you get out of the Marines? So, I come back in 2004. Well, I was supposed to get out in 2004, September 11th, but they involuntarily extended everyone. So I just signed a year extension so I can come back to Iraq, to Fallujah. Right. So, and, and how was that? Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> In the sense of war side. You Real know, you got war. got to actually get some war experience and right. get some trigger times. Right. So that was a lot better. Yeah. yeah. That's Almost. what I thought war was like, minus the Raven. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my brother. Uh, my brother was a infantry officer during Fallujah, and he told me like it was. It was like it's like big war. It's right. like if we see anybody on the streets after dark, we kill you. No yeah. questions asked. Any able-bodied person present a threat, which means anything. It's unbelievable. So, did you know that? Now, did you want? Did you think that like, you were going to do like the, the? You were just going to do that tour, and then you're done. Was there ever like a chance where they're like, "Hey, John, we'd like you to." You know, you could easily be like E7 in like two more years. Why don't you stay? They try to sell you on I that. I thought or? about it. I went to the career, the recruiting guy, and I thought about it. They just wasn't offering enough money. Right. Yeah. I, I always wanted to do something with business. I always wanted to further myself, you know, coming from an immigrant family. Mm-hmm. Only way for us to progress is to keep growing and building. Right. And I don't feel like the Marine Corps would give me that opportunity. Yeah. Now that I learned, I didn't know anything about the military still, even after my four years. If I went to the Army, there's different avenues you can take. You can go here, you can go SF, you can finish with that, you can go warrant officer. And they tell you this. In right. the Marine Corps, they give you the blinders like a racehorse and just let you run straight forward. Yeah, that's been the criticism I've heard from a lot of Marines. Because like, I know like from my experience and from uh, other guys' experience, especially in the Air Force, you know, if, like, if you have a chance to go try out for a JSOC team or go try out for uh, you know Delta... And, and, you know, your commander's like, fucking go for it. And everybody I've talked to in the Marines has always been like, they're really dead against it. They don't want anybody leaving. Maybe that's changed. I don't know. But I've heard it from not just you. I've heard it from a bunch of guys. Yeah, it might change. but Even I, if they're they like, hey, I just want to go recon. Right. And they're like, fuck you. What are you, you're not going recon. It's like, dude, I'm trying to get better here. You know? We had a sergeant who, whew, he was one of the best Marines I've ever known in my life. I mean, everything perfect, shooting running. He was dedicated to it. It came time for him to go to recon, the end doc, and I, you know, 
if anyone I've ever seen in the Marine Corps who should have went to that would have been that soldier. That's and true. they told him no. Why do you think that is? This is a culture it's thing? Just, it might be a culture thing, a tradition thing. They like to keep everyone where they are. I mean, Marine Corps doesn't push growth out of film. I love the Marine Corps. But if I could do it all over again, I'd want to the Army. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I say because, that all the time, not to disrespect the Marine Corps. Right. Just because I understand now with foresight where I would be if I went to the Army instead. Right. Yeah. No, I've heard I've heard it from a bunch of guys. So you got out and then you went to college, right? Mm-hmm. Right after that? Right. I went, went to community college and then I went to FIU. Florida International? Florida. Yeah. Okay. And got my business degree. Right. And then you start a new contract. Yeah, actually, when I was getting out, Blackwater yep. came and asked, do we want a job? I said, I'm not going back over there. I'm not carrying a gun again, ever. Right. That was my idea. So I went to college. Once I was done with college, I understand that nobody was paying me the money I thought I was going to get paid. So I went to Blackwater begging, and they picked me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you were over in Afghanistan with them for quite a few yeah, years, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah you were like years. shift lead and all that. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. Did, uh, did the advanced shift leave for a while. Also went to the, the operations center for a while. Yeah, and then fucking now we're over here. Yeah, now Jeez. we're here having a good time. Yeah, <laughs> no, you know, baby. Yeah. All right, so one of the other reasons I wanted to have John on was because, you know, John and I talk offline quite a bit about, you know, we talk about, like, racial issues in the United States, and, and this shit comes up all the time. And so I'm just seeing in the news this last week there were two more shootings, and uh, one of them, was uh, was this was a was a female this time, and you know her name was uh, what was it uh, Gaines, yeah Kristen yes, Gaines. Yes. Yeah, I have an interesting view on that. Yeah, so because so if you guys haven't if you guys haven't heard about this, basically a uh, Corinne Gaines. I'm sorry, I misspoke. So basically, what the cops are saying is like they went to they went to her house to serve a warrant. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a warrant out for her boyfriend and her for failure to appear. And basically, she uh, had a gun and a kid, and depending on who you believe, you know, there's no video of the actual confrontation, but the cops are like, she pointed a gun at us. So, what's your, what are you thinking about this? There's actually a video now of the confrontation. Okay. In a sense. There's yeah. a split-screen video of her talking to her child while the officer's trying to get her to come out. Right. Ms. Gaines is an idiot. Yeah. In my opinion. Right. Right. I understand there's a lot of racial tension around in America, but sometimes you got to call a spade a spade. Yeah. She's an idiot. The cop is standing at the door asking her to come out. Right. Ma'am, would you come out? Or are you, are you telling me no? She's holding her son, videotaping her son, asking him silly questions like, what are the cops here for? And, he's, and the kid, of course, is saying, he's here to kill us. Yeah. And she's egging this child on to say these ridiculous things yeah and she's and apparently it's come out in the past she was like some nut she was one of these nuts who thinks like oh well she was like apparently she got pulled over because she in in the place of her license plate in her car she had a piece of cardboard that basically said i am exempt from all laws and if you pull me over you're like a patriarchal oppressor or some bullshit and i'm just like and and then even then but after the death is what kills me the reaction because i go on i go on twitter because I like to keep my ear to the ground and see what people are saying. And you should have seen how many black people were on there saying, oh, what the hell is it? The cop should have just left. She wasn't hurting anyone. I'm like, if you think a cop knocking on your door and he sees a kid and a gun and you think he's just going to leave, you're you're fucking delusional. 
Yeah, you can't lump her case into every black case. It's, no. It's, it, this one is totally different. Exactly. And like I said, I watched the video, and as soon as I saw the first 10 seconds, <laughs> automatically, I thought she was an idiot. And that's, what I, and that's what I've said for, like, that's what I've said uh, time after time. I'm like, listen, you can't, you, you can't lump all these cases in with one another because, you know, you have the black activists saying, well, these are all the same. And it's like, they're not all the same. And some, some are bad. Like the example I always use is the Tamir Rice thing in Chicago where they just pulled up and started blasting, which is retarded. But there's other ones where the guy's getting, like, punched in the face or he's getting clubbed with a nightstick and the guy gets shot. And then you're like, dude, that's just, that's what happens. Yes and no. This is where we differ in, in some Yeah, go ahead. What do you got? I feel most cops are not from the neighborhood, right? Right. And they see us as demons. Right. If you ever read some of the transcripts of their description of the guy that they shot. That always, happened in the Michael Brown case. Right. He was like, oh, he looked like a demon. Oh, he had this look in his eye. They're just scared of us. Right. And that's because they're not hiring cops from... Ferguson, or they're not hiring cops. L.A. had that big problem at one point until sure. they started making L.A. hire cops from L.A. Right. And and you have that a lot of times in these type of neighborhoods. I remember growing up, the cop in our neighborhood, any little mischief mischief that I got into, right, he knew who who did it. Right. He knew what kids were capable. This of. This is the community policing, right, and all that. He understood. He knew what kids in our neighborhood would steal from the corner store. He right. also knew what kids would shoot the corn store. Right. Right? So I remember I took a slingshot and just a bunch of us, we stood on the little overpass and was breaking windows with a slingshot. Mm -hmm. Dumb kids. Before I got home, that officer was at my door. Right. I thought he was like, how did he know this? Right. All he did, he knows all the kids. He's from the neighborhood. His wife taught at my elementary school. Right. So they know all of us. He knew that I was capable of breaking a window. But if somebody got shot, he would never come to my house because he knew I wasn't that type of child. Right. And I think that's what we need more as right. going into the community. You we need to bring, don't bring the cop from Connecticut into the Bronx. Right. We need somebody from Queens, maybe, right. into the Bronx who understands the community and the culture. Of the, of Do you the think kids. it's getting um, as far as the kids? Because I've heard, and I know every generation is mm -hmm. always like, the kids now are so much worse than they were. But it kind of does seem like now, like, kids will pull out a gun when they're like, there's, you got like fucking thirteen year olds like pulling guns and shit. So do you think it's like, do you think it's like kids are more violent or prone to more violence or, or more quick to use a gun now than they were even when you were you know in the nineties or eighties or whatever? Yes, I think so. I think why kids, is that? I'm is that a culture sure. thing? I don't know what it is. Single moms, gangbang, what is this? A bunch of things. Yeah. Uh, I would say poverty, of course, first of all, right? Uh -huh. You can't put seven thousand people in one building. Not expect any kind of crime, any type of jealousy, and, and, and uh, just ravish killings for no reason. Yeah. Also, I just think, once again, uh, single parents. That's a big problem. Not having a father. Yeah. It so sounds like a simple thing, but I think that's a big thing. Like, you raised your son, yeah. right? Yeah. Imagine how much different he would be if you wasn't that influence in his life to show him a positive figure. And yeah, then and I the feel, I, you know, and I, I feel really sorry for kids like that because, and that's something, you know, it's bad, it's bad pretty much across the board, but statistics have shown, especially in black American families, it's this, the, uh, the chances of a kid not being in a two-parent home are, is like stratus, is like through the roof, but like nobody wants to talk about that. They want to go to like the, they want to go to the. 
they want to look at all the other factors. And I, that, to me, I'm with you. Like, I think that is huge. I mean, you don't have a dad who's going to whip your ass. Somebody's going to whip your yeah. ass. And then you start to look up to the wrong people, right? You don't have that role model at home. Right. Me, I always wanted a Land Rover because all the drug dealers were driving Land Rovers. <laughs> right? So I was like, damn, I want a Land Rover. How else you do? How do you get this Land Rover coming right. from, from uh Poverty neighborhood. Right. I know a lot of listeners are going to say, "Oh well, why don't you work hard?" Yeah, boots. That's not the what boot, I knew. The bootstraps argument. Pull right. yourself up from your bootstraps. That's not what I know. Right. What I know is my mother's a, a fellow. Right. And that's how she makes her money. My cousins, my my uncles, my aunts. So all I know is, well, this is how I can get it. Right. Right. Lucky for me, she also taught us the right way. And uh, unexpectedly, just at the door, in walks. Another hero. <laughs> I don't know about hero. A hero. My boy Nav, Navigator. Obviously, uh, we, don't, uh, we don't use our real names here, but uh, Navigator is a, uh, a uh, former Army, um, Army Special Forces member. And uh, Nav, what was your, what you do in the SF again? I was 18 Bravo. 18 Bravo. And what me, it, I asked John the same shit because I'm kind of curious about, like, why did you join the military? Like, how did it come up? Like, you're just... To get a arrest expunged from my, <laughs> my record. <laughs> really? For real. Right. So they said... Like, they, you know what's they, funny? Real quick. The black guy didn't even get a arrest expunged from Yeah, this is... Right. Now, Nav... Because we did describe John earlier. So, Nav is the complete... Nav is also a large fellow. But he's the white cracker from, from down south. So... <laughs> Actually, I'm from California. Yeah, Are but, you? But yes. he's, he's from Montana. He talks like Definitely goddamn. He talks like goddamn. Hell I grew up in California. <laughs> so you, all right. So you, you got a, you got a, So you really had the old stereotypical: join the army, go to jail. Oh, I went to jail, and for I, what? If you don't mind me asking, invasion of police. Invasion of police. What yeah, is, the hell is that? Evading. Oh, evaded. evaded. Okay, evading okay. Police officers. So the judge put this on you. Well, the first judge actually wanted me to go to prison for three years. Jesus. He wanted to throw the book at me. What were you evading for? Just being pulled over? Or? No, we were at the street races, and me having a fast car, they decided to follow me when they showed up, and I had already been pulled over twice in, that night <laughs> for bullshit. For bullshit. It's always bullshit. It was. Cops always bullshit. I got, yeah. I got pulled over. See, it's not just black guys, people, yeah. all right? No, I had a fast car, loud. And when I, they hit the lights for the third time, I was like, fuck this. I'm out of here. <laughs> so, so real quick, so you went to, so you go off to the Army. Yep. And you, uh, you told me before that you were, uh, you were, you were going to join the Rangers. And then you heard, what, about the 18 X-ray program, after, right? Yep, after airborne school. So the 18 X-ray program, for people who don't know, is basically, it used to be where you had to be in a different MOS for a couple of years before Fighting. joining Special Forces, a.k.a. Green Berets. And uh, but now they came out. They realized this is we're just wasting our time. So let's start these guys off so we can train them. And they started the 18 X-ray program, which means right after what AIT, or yeah, right after right after uh, basic training in airborne school. Yeah. So right after that, you start your uh, selection mm -hmm. for uh, special forces, and then you go through the Q course. Yeah. Okay. So you did that. And what what year was that? When did you finish? I finished the Q course in 2004. Okay, and then so. you went to Afghanistan. Yep, that year. Yeah. How was it? Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, awesome. 
Yeah, yeah, I've seen I've seen the pictures. Yeah, yeah. you you you, got, you boys definitely got into some shit. Yeah, over there is pretty funny. Um, okay, so Nav's here. So as long as Nav is here, uh, John and I were just talking about the the recent like you know Black Lives Matter and the controversy. And John, there was another one uh, this week that you know along with the current gains, there was this guy. Uh, there was this other there was this other cat who was basically did a uh, a. It was a guy named Paul O'Neill who was 18 years old in Chicago. Did you hear about this one? He was he was the one driving the car. I'm not familiar with it, so I actually can't speak on. It. I hate to speak on these topics if I'm I did I didn't do my own research. Yeah, yeah. I don't need Fox to tell me what to yeah, do, yeah. and I don't need MSNBC sure. to tell me what to think. But basically, mm-hmm. so, so, yeah, we don't even need to get into it. The bottom line is though, this was just another example. Mm-hmm. Essentially, what happened is the guy, the kid, stole a car. He's driving, copter chasing him, and he, he, some cops tried to stop him, and he, like, his big mistake, he tried to go through him with the car. So then after that, it was kind of game on, they came down, they shot him, and it looked bad because the afterwards on the cop video, you see the cops kind of, you know, fist bumping, fist bumping each other a little bit, and it was kind of like, I mean, I know the dude's, like, on adrenaline and shit, but... I have a friend who actually had that exact same situation. He had a lot of warrants, mostly traffic stops, little weed. I think he had a possession of a weapon as a felon. He would run from the cops all the time. Every time he got pulled over, he would run from the cops. And growing up, I was still in the military. We'd always tell him, hey, get a lawyer, turn yourself in, and that way they they book you and they bond you right out. Right. His response was, let them crackers catch me. I'm with that. Let's do it. Right? <laughs> so he, he eventually got caught, and they surrounded him. He was just trying to evade. He wasn't really trying to hurt the cops. Right. And I know this guy. He's not a he's not a hardened... Not a killer. Thug killer. He's not that type of person. He tried to go around him and try to get out of there with his car. The cops called it that he... And, and I can understand from a cop's perspective, because if I see a car come towards me, I'm shooting that car. Right. It's a weapon. And they did the same thing to him. Yeah. And they unloaded into the car. Yeah. Lots of terrible shots. So right. they completely missed him. Forty something rounds into the car. Not one touched him. No he shit. He didn't get grazed. Freaking lucky. They gave him five years after that. But that's probably the same situation with that kid. Yeah. Maybe he was trying to just get away and I could see both sides of the story. Yeah. I mean, I just don't it the way I look at it is you're putting yourself in a, mm-hmm. in a really bad situation. I mean yeah, it'd be nice if the cops could, you know, not do that. But at the end of the day, you're going to have guys who are charged up on adrenaline. And this is all second-guessing them in the heat of the moment. I mean, you guys have both been in war. Well, How would you like it if somebody was looking over your fucking shoulder every single time you pulled that trigger and second-guessing you after the fact? And you're like, dude, you weren't fucking there. Being the fact that I ran from the cops and they did catch up to me at the same time, that, that day, I received my acceptance letter to the California Highway Patrol, which ironically, they were the ones pulling me over. I had been going through college for criminal justice. I knew the procedure. Me and my three buddies were out of the car, laying face down, hands behind our head, and this 200-and-some-odd-pound cop still decided that he needed to what felt like he jumped in the air and put his <laughs> knee in the middle of my back. Yeah. It's that adrenaline. It, I'm telling you. They get all charged up because they're chasing the bad guy. And then all of a sudden, even if you just stop, 
You know they're gonna they're they might get some. They're yeah, gonna get get a little piece of it. Well, the funny thing is, is they're hauling me off because I was the driver. They take my two other buddies in a separate squad car, and my buddies later on tell me that the police officers were trying to convince them to turn turn against me by saying, yeah. "Hey, all you gotta do is say that you're you told them to stop, and you'll be off. We'll let you out, and." It'll be over for you guys. My buddies didn't. No. I still have a high respect for cops. My sister-in-law is the, one of the senior dispatchers. It's a shitty job, dude. Yeah, for Montana. And so she, she understands, too. But, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a tough deal. But what I, what, I, what, I, what I think is happening now, though, and this is just a theory of mine. I could be completely wrong. But I think the problem with them screaming, the activists I'm talking about, screaming after every one of these is I think what they're doing is diluting the, the bad ones. Like after a while, white people are just going to tune you out. Because when you when you have like 10 bad ones, in a, when you have like 10 ones in a row where the cop is really not really at fault, it was just shitty, but then you have one where the cop is completely at fault, now now people are like burnt out on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. <clears throat> I don't believe in the whole thing of all lives matter, right? Right. I always use We've this, talked about this a bunch of times. Right. I don't. I use this analogy all the time. If I go to a rally for breast cancer because my mother has breast cancer, right? I'm not against prostate cancer. Right. I'm just pushing this agenda because this agenda affects me. Right. The normal white person cannot say they're against Black Lives Matter because you've never been black. You've right. Never had that situation. You've sure. Never been profiled. Nope. Right. So you can't just go ahead and say, "Oh, all lives matter." Yes. They're never saying all lives doesn't matter there's always that little faction of people who do the dumb things like the guy who shot in dallas or shot in baton rouge killing cops yeah but that's not what the movement's about right right if you if you speak to anybody who's actually involved in the movement peacefully they just want people to recognize and let the cops be charged that's all they really want right if i shoot if i shoot me personally shoot another black guy white guy hispanic guy chinese alien they're going to take me to jail First, book me, get my statement, then they're going to decide if I was at fault or not at fault. Cops don't get that same situation. And I understand their job. If you shoot someone, you kill someone, and it's even iffy, why not just go through the whole process like everybody else? Yeah. I think there, yeah, there's something to that. I think where the disconnect comes is, I think it's like everything else. There, it starts with a good intention, but certain people take it way over the top. Um, a good example is what I think, what we're seeing on campuses around the country now, right? You know, you go to Yale campus and you have the spectacle of seeing black student organizations who are among the most privileged people on the planet. They're going to fucking Yale University in America that costs $65,000 a year, one of the most prestigious schools on the planet. And they're screaming at like from the way they talk, you would think Yale University is like the like a clan movement. It's like you think all those liberal fucking professors are like clan members. Come on, no. and you just dilute real racism that way. And that's why a lot of white people just tune their shit out. You know, you're bitching about the name of a building. You know, oh that that guy who the building's named after, he owned a slave three hundred years ago. And it's like, dude, you're 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 diluting the message. White people, I guarantee you, and I'm speaking for all white people here, I think I can safely do that, 
but they're, they're just going to tune the message out the more it gets diluted because you're, you're, you're coming from such a privileged position. You sound like an asshole. Yes, I think some black people take the wrong avenue or the wrong side of different discussions, right? If they see a black person get shoot, automatically the cop is wrong. Right. You can't go that route. That's yeah, just that's why true. you got to take each fucking take case a second, individually. See what happened. Then make an actual opinion. Don't let anyone give you opinion just because everyone else, everyone else around you is saying that they're wrong. Kid from Yale. Yeah. We don't have the same challenges through no. life. A lot of right. them grew up privileged in the suburbs. Me and, and Obama parents. are not the same. No, nothing. One of the worst things I heard Obama say was, I could have done trade no, you couldn't, Obama. <laughs> Obama, you were a privileged kid in Hawaii. Yeah. with your white parent and your black parent. Yeah. And you had the best of everything. They had money. They said, you went to Harvard. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear about you could have been Trayvon. I could have been Trayvon. Mm-hmm. But there's a sense that, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, there's obviously there's this uh, black people were really proud when Obama was in 08. I mean, that was a thing. And you've told me many times yourself, you knew plenty of people like, I'm voting for him because he's black. And I certainly, in 2008, I totally got, if a black guy was like, yeah, I'm voting for black, I'm like, fucking, I totally get it. Just don't bullshit me about how you love his policies, because that was tiresome. But, uh, yeah, I I totally get that, and I don't, I don't know, it's just, it just sucks to me when they just dilute the really important ones with trivial bullshit. That's what I can't stand. Yes, but America's just putting each other, both of us, against each other. I know. Mm -hmm. All the time. They do all the time. White white media or I think social media is making it worse. Definitely making it worse. I think white or Republicans or right wing media, whatever you want to call it, yeah, they automatically go to that individual's arrest record. Yeah, that doesn't mm-hmm. change him to being a human, right? Yeah, no. He had an arrest, yes, he did, but many people have arrests. Yeah, that doesn't change that exact situation. And the liberal side does the opposite, exactly the opposite. They'll put a picture of him when he was twelve. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, come on. But the so, the that. social media is really making it bad. Like, it's I see it like people are just picking sides and they surround themselves with like-minded people and then they never they never leave that circle. I mean, there are not too many fucking cases outside the military where a black dude and a white dude who are from different you know worlds backgrounds. You know, you and I are from completely different backgrounds. That you sit down and become friends and actually talk about this shit honestly, you know. I, it, what the closest you get is some fake ass cable news show, you know, where they right. yell at each other, and it's like they don't fucking know. Right. She, my my kid is named after John Judge. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm upset on that. This. All right. So the the other the other topic I wanted to talk about was, and I'm glad both of you guys are here. So all this shit that Trump was talking about this week, the, he had a he had a tough week last week. And in particular, right when I did the last podcast was when that Keezer Khan character spoke at the DNC, the Democratic mm-hmm. National Convention. Uh, obviously, a lot of you know he was the gold star father and mother, Muslim family. Their son was killed in Iraq in 2004, Humayun Khan. And uh, they stood up at the DNC and kind of kind of attacked Trump. And, and, uh, and Trump responded eventually. But he was just crushed with this. And I guess I don't understand this. I don't see, like, like first of all, he wasn't talking about, like, you know, Donald Trump. Donald Trump had nothing to do with your kid dying, first of all. Sure. So it wasn't like Cindy Sheehan in the Bush years, where Cindy Sheehan's son was killed, and she was chasing George Bush around the country. You could at least argue there, like, well, you know, he did send her son to Iraq where he was killed. 
in my opinion, this guy Khan kind of used his dead kid to talk about this other issue, which was really not, it was really borderline related. I mean, it was the, you know, if, was, if Donald Trump had his way, we would have never got here. I don't know, it was kind of grossed me out. And he went on the attack, and he attacked Trump, and Trump responded a little crudely. But he, in the end, they're like, oh, this you never respond to a gold star family. And I'm like, fuck that, man. I, I was confused at that. I'm like, please tell me about this cloak of invisibility or invincibility you get when you attack somebody and enter the public realm because you got up there on stage on the mm-hmm. TV cameras. And since that DNC, he's been all over the media trashing Trump. But what, you're just supposed to shut up and take it? What do you guys think about that? I mean, he's a gold. All these guys are going on Fox News. All these ex-military guys. I saw. I saw three of them, and they're all like, "Oh, you don't respond to a gold star family." And I'm like, "I don't know, dude. I Why think not? you got. Yeah. I don't think. I think you can respond to a gold star family, especially when they're attacking you. Especially when you're using his incidents or his incident to prop up your agenda. Right. Right. It's not like they're just going on there promoting their son and the hero him being a hero or what he's done in the military. Yeah. Right? They're going up there, they're like, yes, my son's a hero, and he's Muslim. Right. That's what they're pushing. They're not pushing what he did to save lives or what he did to be an actual soldier. Right? Yeah. All they're really pushing is he's a Muslim. At the end of the day, if you yeah. get all through all the crap that everything else they're talking about, they're trying to show that he's a Muslim and he sacrificed life. Right. One Muslim... Sacrificing his life doesn't wash away the ten Muslims who killed a hundred Americans. Like I don't understand how does that work. Right. How well, does that go through? Well, I don't know what the background is. How long has this family been here? This was the family. Well, the family's been here for a long time since, like you know, the, he's been in America. I can't remember offhand, but at least since like the early '80s. The kid, uh, the captain, he was killed in 2004. So this is fucking a long time ago. Okay, so they immigrated here. Way back when, when American-Muslim relations were completely different than these days. Right. They attacked Trump because of his current view on... Muslim immigration. Muslim immigration, where it's completely different. Yeah. So... And the guy and the dad is an immigration attorney who specializes in immigration mm -hmm. in this visa program that apparently... Is, is riddled with fraud. It's basically like a visa program for like rich Saudis if to get over money. to America. Yeah, and it, it's like totally corrupt. The guy's like deleted his website because people started like picking at it. it. And it's like, you know, I, I did, but but I go, I, I watched Fox News and there were three, fuck, there were three veterans on there. Paul Rykoff from the Iraq and Afghanistan veterans was on there and Ruben Gallego, who's a congressman from Arizona, were on there. And they were both like parroting the same thing and I'm just like, I don't, I don't get this, dude. This gold star family thing. You know what? I yes, you your son made the sacrifice, as John you've said before. The son made the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. The family lost a kid. I get it, it's terrible. But once you inject yourself, now you've injected he didn't just like he didn't just like, you know, do a press conference or something like that. He went in front of like millions of people on TV. And after that he went on all the goddamn talk shows. And, and he's still doing it. And attacking a person that had nothing to do with this war anyways. Right. Do I, me personally, do I think Trump's a bigot? Absolutely. Right. I think Trump's a bigot. Do I think he's wrong? No. I think his views are actually right. A bigot? Explain that. How do you think specifically he's a bigot? I think people get mixed, they they mix up him being a racist and a bigot. Right. 
right? Trump is not a racist, in my opinion. Yeah. I think Trump's a bigot as far as he doesn't like anything really that's different from what his... Well, he's a, coarse, he's a coarse man. Right. He grew up in New York City. Mm-hmm. That was one hilarious... I thought it was fucking hilarious when people were trying to say how anti-Semitic he was. I'm like, this dude has probably been around Jews his whole entire life. I'm just guessing. I can't prove that. But, yeah, I think he's just one of these New York guys. He's like, hey, the black, my black guy over there. Hey, my Jew over here. You know, that's the way they talk. My All my uncles are from New Jersey. That's how they freaking talk. Yeah. But people can't handle that. When he does that, they're like, oh, my God, they freak out. No, Trump is right on a lot of his views. Do we protect our borders? Yes. Do we stop aiding all these Arabic countries until they decide that they're going to stop all the Muslim terrorist attacks? Because Jordan is not doing shit. Oman is not doing anything. Saudi's not doing anything. Yeah, let's force them to do something first. Saudis are funding half the shit around the world. Of course. Pakistan. As is Iran, our good buddies that Obama's friends with. All those countries are not doing anything to stop any of the terrorist attacks. So obviously that's why he's saying, let's ban He's Nothing he's saying is wrong. His delivery sometimes a little different. It's, it's yeah, we don't understand I his mean, delivery, he didn't but he's not wrong. He didn't even say ban them. He, he tells them he wants to put a lockdown on immigration until we can figure it out and get well, a better screening. Well, that and that was the system. thing that annoyed me because Khan, this guy Khan, at the convention, he held up the, the Constitution. This was a very powerful moment according to the media. He held up the Constitution. He's shaking it. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. If you're a foreigner living outside of America, you don't have any you don't have any rights to come into America. Mm-hmm. Trump wasn't sitting here going, I'm, I want to ban Muslims from who are in America now from being here. He wasn't saying that. He was saying from countries that are like known sponsors of terrorism, freaking Pakistan and all these other ones, yeah, we're going to take a better look at you. If we have to stop him, Obama stopped immigration from Iraq for six mm-hmm. months because they found out there. And you have to say this shit over and over again because the media is so goddamn dishonest because Trump talks about a halt to any kind of immigration and they act like this has never happened before. It's like fucking Obama did it. Well, Carter the, did it. The, the media, they bounce from... Major story to major story, like got, that, like that, like that. I mean, you got a very it's short. Like the memory. outrage of the day. I mean, the, I think the media is another one of the biggest problems of America. Yeah. What about the? Uh, so now the other thing that Trump did was the Purple Heart thing. Did you guys hear about the Purple no, Heart I thing? Definitely did. Okay, I so did. for people who haven't heard about the Purple Heart, now have you ever heard about the Purple Heart thing? Right. No, uh, I've stopped watching news. <laughs> I know. I, I want to check out so badly, believe me. So the Purple Heart thing, here's what happened. Trump is at a rally. Some old crusty guy comes up to him. He's like, Mr. Trump, I want you to have my Purple Heart. And uh, Trump takes a Purple Heart, and he's Trump is off script. He talks loosely, right? Yeah. So he takes a Purple Heart, and these are the two evil things he said, apparently. He goes, first he says... Wow, I've always wanted one of these. And then the second evil thing he said was, this was much easier. Okay, so now everybody freaks out because, A, you're not supposed to say, wow, I've always wanted one of these. And, B, this is the part that the B especially I don't get. Because all these people are like, a Purple Heart's not easy to get. And I'm like, well, that's what he's saying, you freaking idiot. He's saying this is much easier to pin on. And the way the reporters, like, they all of a sudden the media is like the great Purple Heart defenders. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here, Can, man. My, you, my thoughts on the Purple Heart. Yeah. <laughs> you might upset a lot of your listeners. I know guys that got Purple Hearts because they got some 
slivers of metal in their in their leg. Do they deserve it? Sure. Sure. Purple Heart's the only the only metal that you has to be given to. You have to earn it through being wounded. Right. Correct? Correct. What pisses me off is when I see a guy with a purple heart less license plate drives up because everyone knows that with a purple heart license plate you can park in handicapped parking. Cool. But when a guy gets out of his Corvette and walks perfectly into Walmart while a elderly woman has to park three three rows over in a handicapped parking Fuck spot. Fuck her, dude. Purple heart, bro. <laughs> Fuck that bitch. So, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Calm down. Fuck. I get angry. Right? Angry tweets now. So you probably will. Many many people have earned that purple heart. Many many people. Well, well that's the thing. So even have, if, even the first sentence is not right because they're he's like I've always wanted one of these and people are like nobody wants a purple heart and I'm like fuck I wouldn't mind a purple heart. <laughs> it, I mean, it looks good on a resume, dude. If I, if I didn't if I knew I wasn't gonna like lose a limb, if you said hey BK, would you like a purple heart if you knew you weren't gonna lose like lose your you know genitals or a limb or anything, you'll just be lightly wounded. I'd be like hell yeah, I'd like a purple heart. There's all kinds of bennies from the DMV and shit. Yeah, but we all know this new age veteran. Yeah. The title. The yes. is this is John so this is John's <laughs> favorite subject right yes. here. The entitled veteran. I hate them. Yes. And I'm right there with you. I have a lot of friends who totally what the word is, shitbags in yeah. the military. Mm-hmm. Did nothing, accomplished anything, got out his E threes, but now they are all up in arms of what the veteran should get. Right. I volunteered for the military. I don't know about anybody else. I don't know anybody who's been drafted. No, no, I don't know. I volunteered for it. Nobody in this room got drafted. No, not at all. And we all feel like we should get Medicare, get jobs, get training, get school, which we get anyway. And then we turn around and say, hey, you bad welfare person. How? Well, okay, let me be the devil's advocate here. Uh, they would say, "Well, you earned it. You did not earn it. Well, that was part, job. but you that was part of your, but that was part of your benefit package." They said, "Like, hey, if you sign up, we're going to give you this, 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 and this," and you did. What I don't, and I know what you're you saying. You did a job. What I don't understand is the, like the guys. What what gets me is the guys who did like you know, like six months active duty, and then they claim like hundred percent PTSD oh. because they were like a fucking motor T guy, and they heard a bomb go off once, like fifty clicks away. And now they want 100% PTSD. That shit pisses me off. And that's the shit you see all the time at the VA or hear them. I've heard at the VA waiting, I hear guys how to scam PTSD. What, what's our favorite saying? PTSD is a unicorn? Yeah. It is. I also, not only that's a unicorn, I've known some guys with PTSD. We've had some co-workers who have PTSD. In sure, yeah. This is true. Taking their lives for whatever reason. Or we have. Other, right? We have. And this is recent for all of us. Yeah. yeah. We've known them. But... I still think veterans are extremely entitled. They feel like the world or America owes them something because they decided to sign well, that's, four years. But, and that's and that's what ties me into the whole gold star, the veterans going on TV and criticizing Trump over the Purple Heart, criticizing Trump over this. And it's like, dude, just shut the fuck up. I mean, the guy was in a lighthearted moment. Obviously, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm obviously gonna. I've said from the beginning. 
I'm going to vote for whoever runs against Hillary Clinton. I'm standing by that. I've made that quite clear. I'm voting for Trump. You know, I'm going to cross my fingers and hope the guy doesn't fucking do something stupid. But anyway, I just can't. I'm tired of the parade of veterans on TV just wagging their finger about fucking Trump. And it's like, shut the fuck up, dude. You know, about the Purple Heart and the Gold Star family. Yeah, you got a Purple Heart. Good for you. You know, but you don't get to be the gatekeeper of who can talk. I don't expect anybody to say like, hey, don't, don't, you know, don't criticize BK for what he says because, you know, he was a veteran. Fuck that, dude. Bring it, you know? <laughs> right. But anyway, let's, but John, you hit on a important thing. I want to get more into that, the entitled veteran thing and the PTSD. Because like you said, we've lost uh, over here in contracting. We've, we've, you know, we've, we've all known a couple guys and we've, we've had veteran suicides and it's fucking tragic. But I don't know what you can do about that. I think it's all individual. I looked at the entire military as a job. They paid me, they clothed me, they fed me, they gave me housing to do a job. I didn't take whatever I had to do in that job as an issue. I joined because I thought that you killed people. Like That's what I thought happened. Yeah. Right? You so wanted was, to go to war. Yes, I had no problem. When they told us, it was September 11th, 2001, when the towers were hit. I was in operation. I was in Egypt on an operation. And they pulled us all together, and it was like, oh, the towers just got hit. And I was like, you bitches are going to war. And I was happy. Right. Because I was like, oh, okay, cool. And now I actually get to put all this useless training, as I thought. <laughs> all this time and 29 palms to use. <laughs> so that's what I wanted to do. Right. And that's what 90% of the military wants to do. Right? Sure. Most that's a dirty look. I would, no, I, I would not say 90% these days. No, you're thinking of 90% non-infantry. I'm thinking yeah. infantry. Uh, okay, uh, okay, like, yeah. What, who, what, that's what the military Because that's the dirty secret, right? right? But All the war guys, they like war. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do. Dude, you go home, you see the vets, they fucking fall to pieces. You see the most square away operator killing dudes left yeah. and right. And then they go home, and they're a mess. And you're like, dude, why can't you function? Because war, war is, I'm not going to say fun, but war becomes part of your life. Yeah. We all still chase it. You we contract do. because yeah. why? Yeah. BK is one of the most intelligent guys I know on this contract. Mm -hmm. He can go to school. He's a journalist. He can right. he does a lot of other things. You know, shout out to software, shout out to software. <laughs> he does a lot of things. But you still sometimes you miss that it's family that we have. It's the com it's you know what it's it's the camaraderie. Right, right. It and is. I think that's what I think really that's what a lot of guys have a problem with when they go home and you hear about all these suicides and shit. And I think a lot of it is Guys go home and they they miss the camaraderie. I got I got one friend. I got one friend that is a civilian at home. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, that is it, dude. I had to go to Portland recently. One of the uh, for a couple of days before I came out here, and it was funny because there was a, a friend of ours from Soft Rep uh, uh, used to write there. Uh, former Special Forces uh, Green Beret Derek, and uh, and if he's listening, he can tell you this, but. I knew he lived in Portland, so I called him up. I'm like, bro, I'm in Portland. Let's get beers. And he calls me. He's like, yeah, totally. He calls me back like five minutes later. He's like, hey, dude, I got a Navy SEAL buddy of mine up here. And, and I was like, hey, I'm going to hang out with a PJ. And he's like, uh, I want to come. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he wanted it because he, again, was isolated. And he was around all these goddamn Portland mm -hmm. hipsters. And he's yeah. like, and, and Derek was like, yeah, he was like, Oh, you're gonna go hang out with the military guys? I want to come, and you know, and that's like I totally got it. I understood it immediately because you just miss that. Yeah, you miss everything about it. I miss I miss the barracks life, which is some of the things I miss. Right, like running around with a sock on 
my man Dingo. Yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I, I right? never, like, right. I never had to live in barracks. Right. Like, so that things like that, that. I, I miss that. I miss jumping off the second second balcony with my friends. I miss the barracks rat. Most of us guys know what the barracks rat is. It's the girl who comes to the barracks. Mm. And, and yeah, carry yeah. on. <laughs> and so, and things like carry that. Like on. I miss some of that. Yeah, I think everybody does. Do I want to go back in? I don't think. I think we're underpaid. But yes. I do miss I mean, that family that I had there. You know, the brothers and who would, if I was wrong, they would get in a bar fight with me and die with me. Is yeah. what I miss about Even friends. if you were wrong. Yeah. Right. I mean, and look at you two guys. Like, I mean, John, I've known you for what, about two years or so. Nav, I've known you for about six months, a year. Yeah. But like, we know each other so intimately that you can't, like, because, you know, people are like, wow, how long have you known that guy? You're such good friends. And you're like, well, I've only known him for like a couple of years, but like they don't understand how we live over here. Right. We're like in a fucking box, right. you know? And then if shit kicks off, it's like, you know, you're well, depending on each other. Exactly. Yeah. But, and, uh, but I think like a big, I, I wish like people, if there was one thing I would tell guys back home, it's like try to keep in touch with people. Because I really think that's a big thing. Yeah. I deleted keep, Facebook. And Fuck, every day chasing me. Cause uh, that's the only way I keep up with my friends. I have a group, a group chat that we all keep up in. Mm-hmm. And for the listeners, listeners real quick, I'm drinking, so my accent's coming out. <laughs> so I apologize for my accent, my ebonics. If you don't like ebonics, you're a racist. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. So. That's true. I, I, we are, uh, every white person is a racist. Right. Yeah. yeah. Especially you know if he doesn't like my ebonics. Yeah. yeah. But that's the only thing that's keeping me wanting to go back to Facebook because I miss just talking to them. I don't care about the regular people. I have maybe two civilian friends. It's the guys that I miss that I, I don't get to talk to often. I don't get mm-hmm. to check up on yeah. such and such and yeah. with his family or such and such jumped off some dumb shit and hurt himself. I mean, things like that. It's, yeah. it's sad though. Like, I, I really feel that like just guys get out and they just go to shit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's for a lot. I bet... I mean, I don't know this. I haven't studied or anything, but if I had to bet, like, all these veteran suicides, I think a lot of it's that. And plus, you get institutionalized a little bit. You do. I mean... You need more support, I think. I think... And you have to have something outside the military. And I would recommend for anybody going into the military or in the military, start finding something else. I don't care if it's fucking collecting stamps, playing an instrument. You have got to have something else. It's like being a pro athlete, I think. You know, these guys who play football, they say the same shit that veterans do. They play football. That's all they've known their whole lives. They make it to the NFL. They play a season or two. Now you're a running back, so you're all fucked up. You're done. And now you're now you're 26. You're washed up. And what are you going to do? And you don't have what you had at once. You know, exactly. You're not that yeah. rock star that you were. And you, and you don't, and you don't have true. the men. Mm-hmm. You don't have your... your mm-hmm. and, you know, sports is similar to the military, right. I think. Well, yeah, it, it is. Actually, it's, it's actually very similar. Yeah. To yeah. I mean, they make a hell of a lot mindset. more money. But. Yeah. <laughs> the mindset and the... You hear them all the time. They use a lot of phrases from the military, right? Sure. We're going to war together. Yeah. We're mm-hmm. a team. That's right. All right. those type of phrases come from the military. Right. And it's the same thing for us it's, my girl always say, like, I think you're happy when you go back to work. That we is are. true. We are. Because yeah. I get to chill and navigate and BK yeah. and all the guys and talk some shit and laugh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, laugh about yeah. shit that only us find yeah. funny. No. Because- My girlfriend doesn't find the 17 <laughs> dick pics that you guys put, <laughs> right? put up on the wall right? funny. But, but you guys find it funny. Yeah. But you know the mean? funny thing about that is none of us ever want to talk about 
fucking the army or military. No, hardly no. ever. And hardly ever. And occasionally we'll get a guy that that's all they want to talk about, and they get shunned. Don't yeah, they? that is. No, that's a good I mean, point. E- even though that that is the major part of our lives and our background, yeah, and what brings us together, we don't want to talk about no. it. People like we, it comes up every once in a while. It, it, every once in a while, it does. But no. yeah, you're right. Like yeah, we always get the uh, we always get the ex sergeant majors over there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you're not familiar with the contracting world, you know you, there's always the there's always the ex E nines running around who are right. wagging their finger at you, mm. and you're like, bro, still knife hand, still knife hand. You're like, dude, I can punch you in the face now. Okay, so really you better can. you better back the fuck up off me. But I, I don't know, man. It's uh, but it's it's tough, you know. You go home and like I live in Hipsterville, you know, beach community. Uh, I got yeah, freaking. I don't know how you live in California. You, I don't know how you live in Florida. Well, okay, has where are we? Great so, rules, Florida. So you, where are you living in? Montana. Montana, yeah. Florida's actually better than Montana. I'm tell you why. No, you're stand by. Yeah, I want to hear tell you why. Shit. We have the same gun laws. Right? Mm-hmm. I have four suppressors. I have a ton of guns. I can do anything I want in Florida. We have no state tax as well. Mm, very nice. Right. Contractor 101 is no tax, no state tax. True. Employment tax. tax. No, we employment have no state tax. tax. We have, we have a... You have employment tax. We have tax. sale tax. But Florida, right, we have the best gun laws. Yep. And then we have the weather and the women and the beaches. Oh. It's perfect. Yeah, but you almost, I don't know, Florida, you also, you Florida people, dude. That's where all the crazy new drug fads always yeah. start. Flocka? Like, yeah, mm. Flocka. We don't Flocka. have that in Montana. <laughs> you, like, nobody ever hear. as soon as you hear you're of a new drug. Like, <laughs> you're welcome. As soon as, Listen, as, soon as you hear of, like, a new drug, it's like, oh, a new drug called bath salts coming out of Florida, <laughs> or crocodile, you or. You welcome. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? I know. And then we go into a man the, that's never done a single drug in his life. Yeah. Hey, I am. Not you to, are drug not free. to mess with yeah. your reputation. No, I've never done a drug in my life. That's true. Yeah, no, that is true. That is the truth. I've done more drugs than this man. I've done <laughs> more drugs than both of you combined. I assure yeah. you, this is probably true. Is that a crazy thing, though? Like, if if somebody walked into my door right now mm-hmm. and you said, "Which one of you guys have smoked weed or any drug?" Really? Who would they point at? They would point, point at you. you. Most know. certainly. Yeah. I'd they be would. like, I'd be like, he smokes crack. <laughs> 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 But I've never tried a drug. I know it's yeah. crazy, dude. Uh, because it was okay like, in my household. You like booze? I love alcohol. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Do. If my mother ever hears this, I am sorry because I love. I told her this one time because now she's a religious freak. Yeah, which is okay. Yeah. So I told. I'll her, probably like, be a religious when I get old too. I hope you. I hope you are. You need I, Jesus. I yeah. <laughs> so I told my mother. I was like, I will. I will never stop drinking. I love alcohol. Oh, why would I'm we? not an alcoholic. Because I can go months without drinking. I just enjoy. I just don't, it. dude. I, I just don't like the way it makes me feel. That's why I, I really don't drink a lot. Even when I'm at home, I'll have like I'll have like two, three beers, and I kind of call it good. I just makes me feel like shit, man. Really? It yeah. Makes you dude. feel like shit? Yeah. Uh, it makes me feel like I'm. Yeah. No, I'll fire up the fatty all day long. Or well, eat, you know. This is American. Uh, it I, is. A drink is American. It is. Right? <laughs> well, Honestly, a drink is, is American. It, if, if we could we go fought, back to the prohibition, fought, right? We fought prohibition. We, yeah, we fought tooth that and nail. Mm. We really don't fight uh, marijuana as much. No, we don't. No. I like to call it ganja. Yeah, we don't fight yeah. ganja as much, right? Well, of but course we fought, you. We fought this tooth and nail. I know. 
stupid yeah. looking back on it, how much stupid shit we did. How yeah. long is that? Like 10 years prohibition, mm-hmm. something like that? Uh, yeah. Fuck, man. So and why? Got rich. And why? Can, can anyone say, can you tell me why? Do you guys think that, uh, do you guys think that we'll see a federal marijuana legalization in our lifetime? Yes. It has to be. Yeah, I think There's so. There's no other way. Because I think, yeah, I, I think we will too, even, even if like, because now every state is just going to pass it. Well, my, my thoughts on it, I think every drug should be legal because if yes. it's legal, Darwinism but, will take effect and people will overdose, they will die off, responsible people, they'll do it responsibly to where they don't overdose. I used to think like that. Yeah? Like, you don't anymore? Well, when this, all what? these new age drugs. No, it's not even the new age drugs. I used to think like that. What I think is, how many people did not try drugs because it was illegal? Many. Uh, now, I can true. get any drug I want. I live in Miami. I can yeah. get any drug I want. But you're I also a grown I, man. I'm a grown yeah. man, so it's yeah. different. Yeah. But a child of, no. let's say, 18-year-old. I thought the same exact thing. Right? That's why when it came up for, it, it actually, they put it to a vote uh, on the ballot in California a couple of years back to legalize weeds straight up. And I actually voted no for that reason, even though... Now I'd probably vote yes, but, but I had it at the time. I, my son was young, and I was just like, you know what? I just don't want. I mean, fuck him, you know. Like, <laughs> let him let him try to find the weed like I had to find, you know. Fuck you, man. You don't get but, to just go into a but, store. You got to work for it. But that that's where parenting comes in. It is. Okay. It is. When when your kid turns eighteen, hey, look, look, bud, you can make your own decisions. Yeah. Well, yeah, well a it's going that's what it'll be if it's legalized, 18. Well, I had to have that talk because, you know, my kid grew up on the beach in yeah. California, yeah. obviously, yeah. surfing with, usually there's a lot of older guys. I mean, he started surfing when he was like five years old. There's always going to be older guys. So yeah. obviously he smoked weed when, from when he was pretty young. But now the yeah. funny thing is he's kind of grown out of it. Well, it's like that. I mean, I've been drinking beer with my dad since I was eight years old. Jeez, hillbilly, dude. Call, say what eight? you will. Eight, yeah. I had my first beer at age 13. It was a Coors Extra Gold. Ooh. I had a beer and a half, and I threw up. True story. I had Good my first drink at 19. No shit. Wow. You never drank at all in high school, huh? It's not something that we Well, see, that is the thing. I your, well, your mom didn't drink. Your mom didn't drink. No. Right. So, a but you didn't, do, you didn't do... Marijuana either because it was okay. That was okay in my yeah. household. A staff sergeant one day who was in Twenty Nine Palms doing some stupid mission, stupid training. Sorry, not mission. And he bought a bottle of Gentleman's Jack. Nineteen years old, John. Ooh. And he was like, "Take a drink." I was like, "Staff sergeant, I don't drink." No, no. He's like, "I wasn't asking you to drink. That's right. I am no. telling you to drink." <laughs> All the words. Right. That was my first drink I ever had. It was horrible, it tasted disgusting, and I haven't stopped since. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I think uh, I think it's a good spot to stop right there. Um, fucking thank you guys for thank guys for coming on and uh, just enjoyed it. I uh, hope all of you out there uh, enjoyed it. Hit me up on Twitter at BK Actual, and you can uh, suggest stuff. We hope to do a lot more. Probably have John on again sometime in the future. Have Nav on again sometime in the future. We'll take a look at the local goddamn news travesties 
of whatever ha whatever bullshit's happening that week. Hopefully, it's not under goddamn President Hillary Clinton because I might have to fucking move. To I have no country. I have no social media. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so I heard your download ratings this week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I sound like a redneck. I'm Look, sure. But. If anybody wants to reach me on this, if you hit BK up and. They want more of us on here. I will right. start a Twitter with BK. Definitely, we'll, we'll start. We'll, I, I don't have a Twitter. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start a Twitter for John. I'm gonna be his proxy. I'm just gonna put like <laughs> at large black guy. Yeah. Oh, oh, nice. Black people. BK is a racist. Yes. So go ahead and call him a racist as much as you want. <laughs> it is. It's it. true. All right. We'll see you all next week. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Cue the music. Yeah. Cue it up, baby.